Welcome to the Shakeout Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. Each week, Canadian running staff writer Maddie Kelly and I bring you the news, results, and drama from the exciting world of running. This is The Rundown. So Maddie, yes. Labor Day has come and gone. Are you still wearing your white clothes? Okay, every single day, I mean every single day, I start my day in a white robe. I don't know if that counts, but I do every single day. Sure it counts. So yeah, I wear white year round. And then I've got a couple like winter whites are a thing now. Like I have a few white knit sweaters and they're great to wear in the fall. Yeah, no, that's totally true. I was driving to my very last track workout of 2020 today. Sad. Um, And I was listening to CBC and they were giving a little history on why you're not supposed to wear white after Labor Day. And I was very curious about this too. It just seemed like such a random rule that really no one follows anymore anyway. And apparently at the turn of the century, there was sort of this like, there was all this like new money, like the nouveau riche women were kind of entering high society. And all the old money women didn't like that there was all this like these new, you know, chickies coming into their their space. And so they decided to come up with all these secret rules around fashion to exclude them. So Jill Deacon was talking, she's like, yeah, so these turn of the century women were the original mean girls. (laughs) Uh. So apparently that's the history of it. But to your point, in the 90s, uh, all these designers started doing winter whites, and that has now stuck. So just the, the rule is, especially in 2020, there are no rules. Honestly, though, white denim is always a bold choice, and I always admire women who do it. Mm. I recently got a pre-loved pair of white jeans from another runner who I know listens to the show, Lauren Simmons, who, funny enough, she and I go way back and used to sing in the Toronto Children's Chorus together back in the day. Anyway, we've continued to be friends, and she had a bunch of this like really gently pre-loved clothing that she was trying to get rid of, and I was able to purchase some some pairs of really nice Gap jeans off her for not very much money, and it was a great decision. And white jeans are one of them. White denim is amazing. But no, white denim is a bit bold. Like I'm always, you know, I can't, I'm a bit of a princess in them. Like I don't want to ride my bike if there's like even a hint of like moisture in the air in case it rains. And I'm always concerned about like, I'm one of the clumsiest people I know. So I'm like, I just know me. I'm going to spill pasta sauce all over them on the one day I wear them. So um, I wear them infrequently, but when I do, I I feel pretty good about it. Um, How was your Labor Day weekend? My Labor Day weekend was really nice. It was it was busy. My youngest sister moved into res. So then my parents came here after. They're empty nesters. I think they're kind of uh, confused about what that looks like, but they are. <laughs> yeah, it was super it was super nice. We actually went to a couple wineries in Beamsville. Nice. I would call it a lovely weekend. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. That's great, Maddie. How was your weekend? It was also very nice. One of my best friends in the whole wide world is uh, back in town for a little while after spending the last several months in BC, and uh, she finished out her quarantine and I was able to see her. So I spent a good chunk of the weekend with her and did a little bit of running. Oh, I met up with um, a few of the, the members of Air Up There run crew who were doing the speed project. Oh my gosh, killer. 
Yeah, so that was fun. We went down, um, there's a, a park along the Toronto Lakeshore called Coronation Park, and that was kind of their their home base. And they did it really cool. So we'll talk about the speed project today <clears throat> in the rundown. But one of their runners, uh, so it's, it's teams of six, and one of their runners was in Abu Dhabi. So she was getting all of her, like she was getting basically priority choice over which leg she ran so that it wouldn't be the No, so it would be the middle of the night in Abu Dhabi because it's so hot right now. Yeah. So that was really cool because they were kind of like doing like, it's already a virtual race. And then one of their runners was literally also doing it on the other side of the world, which is, you know, I guess the point of some of these virtual things is to bring together people from everywhere and have them do the same thing. It was neat. It was really cool to be uh, invited to hang out with them. And I ran a couple legs with them. And yeah, it was, it was, it was a good time. There have been so many people like it, it is amazing to see how many people ran this event from all over the globe. And I think it is so incredibly cool. They raised so much money. The winning team ran almost 600 K like the running, the winning team might have set a course record if they were able to do it in person, which is super freaking cool. That is really, really neat. Well, should we we've kind of already talked about it should we should we give that as our teaser and go back to some of our track stuff from over the weekend and then we'll work our way back up to the speed project deal perfect do you want to start us off because we saw some major world records go down over the weekend okay first so for those who are unaware the world records that went down are the one hour track records and literally the gun goes and you run for an hour, which is so strange. And then they shoot the gun again with five minutes to go and again with a minute to go. And then at the minute to go, it's so funny. Like everyone just starts sprinting. Like it's lit, but you have no end. Like you don't know when the end is until the gun is shot the third time. This is, is kind of my like weird way to run a race when you're not used to it. It really is. This would be my nightmare. Like they're like, I really like knowing exactly how far I have to go. I am the worst with like fartleks where the, the pickups have to be the same or get like, or you have to get farther with each one. I'm terrible at it. That, that pacing when you don't, I guess these people would have known what their paces were, which makes it a little easier. But first of all, running an hour on a track, not appealing. Oh, super unappealing. And then having to do it, like you said, when you don't know how far you have to go and it's just like, it, it's it's this huge war of attrition. Anyway, people were successful. <laughs> Probably them. Actually, there were two pretty people in particular who were very successful. Mo Farah broke Hallie Gabrasolassi's one hour world record by 45 meters, running 21.33 kilometers in 60 minutes. Now, a little bit of gossip here. We all remember the watch incident of 2018 when Mo Farah was staying in Gabriel Selassie's hotel and had a bunch of his stuff stolen. So there's like mad beef between these two. So he got back at him by stealing his record. Is that what you're saying? That is exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) And not by much. 45 meters is cutting it pretty darn close. No, it's kind of the skin of his chinny chin chin. That I, I feel like there was so much more on the line than like the money and the prist- like this was all just about pride and, and it's like, never about the money. <laughs> it's 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 about chest puff ability at this point. I feel. Yeah, exactly. So Gabriel Selassie actually lost two records in this race. 
because Far- Mo Farah's training partner, Bashir Abdi, who came second to him, pulled ahead just as they approached the 20,000 meter mark or the 20K mark, if you will, to take his world record in the 20,000 meter by about five seconds. And then Farah snuck back into the lead to, uh, to get the overall record in the one hour attempt. Chicka, chicka, yeah. <laughs> do you think that was intentional? I wonder. Like, do you think he yeah. really pulled ahead and put the boots to Farah for a few minutes? And the commentators were kind of suggesting that it was him just saying, like, giddy up, buddy, because at that point he was behind world record pace. Right. Perhaps he was trying to get the 20K record for himself, mm, which right. seems now in retrospect more likely. Well, especially if he knew that or if he had a good inkling that Farah was going to beat him overall for the one hour, he'd be like, well, why wouldn't it's it, what are those races called where it's like elimination races, you know, where the devil chases you with a pitchfork and it's like, it, it, it's just along one. Have you seen these? I'm not so it, familiar with the pitchfork bit. No, <laughs> it's yeah. I don't think it has to be a pitchfork, but it's basically like you can't be the last person. So it's on a track and for 300 meters, you can basically yog. And then coming into the final hundred meter home stretch on each lap, there's a guy who's going to chase you. And like, if they, if he, if that person catches whoever is in last, that person gets disqualified. Anyway, oh, this is a huge wow. tangent, but they are really funny to watch. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. And I kind of feel like it's, or it's like when, when there are um, record or uh, bonuses on the line for whoever's in the lead, you know, at 800 meters of a mile, I've been in races where that's true as well. And it's just hilarious because it's like the least evenly paced race you can imagine because everyone just books it to 800 meters and then slows way back down and then picks it up for the last lap. Anyway, two records went down in one race. Glad to see it. But there were more. So in the women's event, Safana San broke the one-hour world record there as well by over a lap. She ran 18.93 meters, 413 meters farther than Dear Tunes' record of 18.5 set in 2008. So she was racing marathon world record holder Bridget Koskai, who was ultimately DQ'd for stepping onto the infield. This was her first track race ever, and Hassan against Koskai looked in the last you know 30 seconds so much stronger. I was mm-hmm. not anticipating that, but she looked fantastic. Well, this was a real, like, this was a real head-to-head battle for sure. And uh, talking about people's faces, I mean, the look on Bridget Koskai's face when she realized she had been DQ'd, because she ran the whole thing. She ran the whole thing and then was told after that she was DQ'd, mm-hmm. which is a really rough thing in a one-hour track race. Oh, it's brutal. Anyway, nice showdown there. So all of those took place at the Brussels Diamond League. And then there was another world record that went down at the Prague Half Marathon. And this was Perez Jepchirchir broke the women's only half marathon world record. She ran 105.34, beating the previous record by nearly 40 seconds. And I think Jepchirchir actually held... Yeah, she held it in 2017. I thought so, yeah. But the fact that she broke... The most recent record by almost 40 seconds is incredibly impressive, especially because, you know, one of the big challenges with a women's only world record is you can only have a pacer go so far because otherwise that person would break it too. So she did a good chunk of this work on her own. And that is an amazing time. And finally, not a world record, but still shout out to Lindsay Butterworth, who placed third at the Brussels Diamond League, running the thousand meter in 237. Not quite a PB, but pretty close. 
Yeah, she ran great. And uh, other than Faith Kipiegon, who blew the field away and ran another 229, I want to say. Yes. Other than that, the whole field was kind of together and Lindsay really held her own. It's great to see this result from our West Coast 800 lady that we haven't seen a whole lot from lately. So way to go, Lindsay. Moving on to Ostrava, which was today. The women's notable results were once again Miss Faith Kipiegon, who broke the meet record in the 1500, running a 359 flat. Laura Muir, former training partner of Gabriella Stafford, hit a 158 in the 800 meter, and Safan Hassan came back just a few days after her world record to win the 5K, running 1437. So that's an impressive weekend. Yeah. And you know, what makes it even more amazing, who's to say how fast she could have gone, but I think she only won by about a second or two. Hassan did. Like, she is capable of running so much faster than that in the 5000. And I think she probably just had the steam taken out of her legs from that one hour attempt. Obviously, that's uh, completely understandable. But she probably just kind of cruised her way to this incredibly fast 1437. Unbelievable to see. I know that there has been a 3,000 meter added to the Rome Diamond League, which is coming up in just over a week's time, but I believe it's only on the men's side. And I believe that the longest race that the women will contest is an 800. Probably a little out of Safan Hassan's wheelhouse, but I'm sure that we'll see more from her throughout this season. On the men's side, there were some also very impressive results. The men's 800 was super close. Four men broke 145. So there were like four of them at 144, five of them at 145, another five of them at 146. It was just like this blanket across the finish line. Um, And then the men's 5,000. Maddie, did you watch this? Yes, I did. Unbelievable. That final K, because Salomon Berega, who has been on fire lately, had sort of established himself up at the front with one of the pacers. Seemed that he had a good bunch of distance between him and the in the pack, and all of a sudden they have this like close up on Berega, and you see this like figure emerging behind him, and Jacob Kiplimo comes out of nowhere, hangs out with him for a while, and then ends up out kicking him to the finish. So I just want to hit you with a little fact: Jacob is uh, nineteen years old. Well, they're both so young. Isn't Berega only like twenty? Yeah, yeah. These kids, crazy. I know. It was so impressive to see, and for the for the time to still be, I think it was twelve forty seven. He he won it in to run that fast because when Kiplimo pulled up beside Berega, they both kind of slowed down, and even the announcers were like, "Oh, we thought we were going to see something fast, but now they're going to be kind of jockeying for position and maybe being a little cagey." No, no, no. <laughs> they still ran super fast. Both men ran really, really well. It's always nice to see when, uh, especially in these late season track races, when there are these real like challenging head to heads. Really fun. And again, we'll be seeing more from them probably at Rome and beyond. On to the road news. So the speed project, as we mentioned earlier, took place virtually over the weekend raising over $60,000 comprised of 300 teams from 40 different countries The Normal Speed Project is a 550k relay race from the Santa Monica Pier in Los Angeles to Las Vegas, Nevada. It was first run in 2014, and it's grown a huge cult following. And so this year, teams of six were challenged to run as far as possible in 31 hours and 15 minutes, which is the official course record, starting at 4 a.m. Pacific time on Saturday. So no matter where you were in the world, whatever 4 a.m. Pacific time was for you, that's when you started. 
Right. So no matter what, because it was 31 hours, you were going to be running through the middle of the night at one point. Yeah, exactly. So it might as well be then. (laughs) And in fact, I'd almost rather, I think like, I was going to say on the East Coast, or at least just in North America would probably be one of the best ways to do it. Because you get a full day. And then you have to go through the night. But then like, you know what, none of it would have been good. I was going to say if you start at night, you would end at night, which could be really thrilling, depending on where you are in the world. But the point is, really hard, no matter where it was. Congrats to everyone who partook in the speed project. And little shout out to Mo Bissat, who is going to be writing about his experience leading his air up there run crew. Uh, both Hamilton and Toronto and Abu Dhabi-based runners were taking part in this. As I mentioned, they were the ones that I was hanging out with on the weekend. And Mo is going to be writing a little story for our web about his experience. So stay tuned for that. It's dropping on Friday. Woohoo! In trail news, American ultra runner and running journalist Megan Hicks reclaimed her FKT on a route through the Rocky Mountains in Colorado called the Nolans 14. She first set the record back in 2017, running two days, 11 hours, and 36 minutes, but that mark was recently beaten by fellow American Sabrina Stanley, who finished the route eight hours quicker. But Hicks took her record back, running two days, two hours, and 32 minutes. And the shocking statistic of the day is that the course has a success rate of 15%. If you were a teacher and 15% of your class passed, you wouldn't be a teacher anymore. So this is really tough. Those mountains are unforgiving. And so part of the reason that it has such a low success rate is that this has a whopping 14 summits that are each 14,000 feet or higher, and it is generally about 100 miles. So the deal here is that runners can choose their own route between the summits. So there's no like one set course you have to follow. However, you do have to scale them all, and it has a strict 60-hour cutoff. So kudos to Megan Hicks, because again, it sounds like there's a little rivalry here between her and Sabrina Stanley. Now Sabrina's got to go snatch it back and we'll hopefully just see this keep going on. But dude, these ultra runners, they just, they blow my mind. Truly. (laughs) I have a hard time walking up my stairs sometimes. No, I know. I hope they do too, after all that running. On to the news. The IOC is adamant that the Olympics are going ahead next summer, regardless of what happens with COVID-19. Do you think that's irresponsible? Because I do. IOC Vice President John Coates made the statement on Monday, and his words were were echoed by Japan's Olympic minister, Saiko Hashimoto, at a press conference on Tuesday. Quote, "There there will be the games that conquered COVID. Close quote. Yeah... Open Maddie quote, we won't have conquered COVID if we don't pay attention to it, close quote. Well, and so this is what kind of baffles me about this. Look, all right, I completely respect, admire, and, you know, want to be as positive as these folks are about the fact that, like, there is so, I can't even fathom how much goes into putting on an Olympics. The money, the time, the organization, the the leaps of faith that you must take for this thing to happen in the best of times. You and I want them to happen so badly. Of course we do. Yes. I I (laughs) selfishly would very much love for this to happen. However, I also just, I feel like, you know, a lot of the, uh, if you look at some of the quotes from this press conference, they were just riddled with contradictions. Like athletes train so hard, we can't deprive them of this, even if it means depriving them of their health, because we don't know if their countries are going to be able to safely send them. Like, it just, it it's, 
it seems a little unrealistic. Well, and a lot has changed because a few months ago it was no vaccine, no Olympics. Um, Well, for a while it was no spectators, no Olympics, and they seem to even have backpedaled on that. Yeah. So who who knows? I take all of these things with a grain of salt. But do I understand the general public being frustrated that it's Olympics at all costs? Of course. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, there is a huge team of people that have to come together to make this decision collectively. So I understand that John Coates is acting as a representative for the IOC right now, but it is also 10 months away. A lot can change for the better or for the worst. We obviously hope for the better. Um, It's not, you know, out of the realm of possibility that it could be a vaccine. Again, seems unlikely, but I'm going to be crossing every finger and toe I own and knocking on every piece of wood I can find that we're going to actually hold these games. And that they will Um, happen safely. Safely, exactly. Unfortunately, no matter what happens next summer, there is one woman who will not be able to compete the way she wanted to, and that is Ms. Castor Semenya. So she lost her final appeal today in her battle to be allowed to compete without assistive hormones in women's races from the 400 meter through the mile. Well, we know that this has been a long time coming. This has been, regardless of where you fall on this, what I will say is that Castor has gone through a battle that no one, I think, would ever want to go through or wish on anyone else because at the end of the day, this woman was born the way she was born. She's done absolutely nothing wrong. And um, it must just be really hard on her. This whole process must have been very difficult on her and other DSD athletes. And uh, we wish her the best of luck. And I would love to see her come out and crush it in the two. If that's if that's her option now, or the five. I mean, she's got wheels on both ends. Let's Let's see what she decides to do. Or she might play soccer. Either way, we will not be seeing her... Uh, in all likelihood, competing in her favorite event, the 800. And uh, I I don't think this is probably the end of what we're going to hear in terms of how this case might progress. So I'll be curious to hear what comes next. In Boston news, the 2021 registration is on hold until the BAA can determine a new model for their race, which is scheduled for April of next year. However, for your current Boston fix, the virtual event is happening on now until September 14th, and I've got the link to the results, so stay tuned for Canadian results, which we will post next week for all of those who have taken part in their own virtual Boston Marathon. Amazing. Do you know anyone competing in their virtual Boston, Maddie? No. My my dad's you know group. Anyone? Your dad is for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, my dad's group, the uh, the Mississauga Nomads. We've we've talked about them before, where they actually did sort of a virtual Mississauga to Boston, which was really fun back in April. But they're going to be doing the current virtual Boston, and I have a few other friends scattered across the country who are doing the same. So if anyone is doing virtual Boston, hit us up and let us know what it's like. If you've been. To Boylston Street before. If you've competed in the actual in-person Boston Marathon, I know that this, you know, can't possibly compare. But I'd be curious to know how people are getting jazzed and, you know, excited for their own personal goals with this. Ah, you know what we should do? We should talk to my my dad's friend Derm Hallwell, who has run, what is it, 29 consecutive Bostons now? He's a lifer. Ah yeah, this year would have been his 30th. And and it still will be. Virtual still counts. So we've got some fun things to look forward to coming up, Maddie. We've got another appearance by Mr. Mo Farah. 
and he is looking to break his own British half marathon record, 59 minutes and 32 seconds, which he set five years ago. That is coming up in less than a week's time. But apparently, and again, understandable, he's having a really hard time finding someone who's capable of pacing him for more than like half of it. Ugh, I want to say like must be tough or must be nice. <laughs> but honestly, I get it. It's that is a really crappy position to be in when you just want to run a British record and you can't find anyone good enough to help you. Right. Well, again, it's sort of like the the women's only trying to find female pacers to do the same. So again, elites, they're just like us. The struggle is real. (laughs) Well, we actually have um, some exciting news about episodes coming up. So first of all, we got news today that after a very long anticipated wait We have finally got physical copies of the September-October issue of Canadian Running Magazine. Woohoo! Woohoo! And when you get your copy, listeners, you will notice that there is a very strong, very determined-looking cover model, and his name is David Joseph. I had a fantastic chat with him last week, and uh, he's going to be our guest on the ShakeOut this Friday, so stay tuned for that. And then... We have a guest joining us as well for a very special edition of The Rundown next Monday. Maddie, should we tell listeners who it is or should we let them guess? Let's let them guess. Let's see if anyone can get it. We'll give them one hint. What's the hint? Uh, The hint is attended university in the city she was born. Ooh, that's kind of two in one because now we know it's a woman, but that's helpful. Mm -hmm. So attended the university in the city that she was born. I like it. Well, listeners, you won't want to miss it. So be sure to tune in on Friday for my great chat with Mr. David Joseph, and then tune back in Monday for a guest, special guest appearance uh, with a secret, secret partner. So leave your leave your guesses as to who is going to be joining us on Monday via our social media pages or through the Shakeout Podcast Facebook discussion group. If you guess correctly then we'll shoot you a DM and be like, congratulations, you guessed correctly. And then you can shoot us a DM and send us a question. That we For said guest. For said guest. Perfect. I love it. Great idea, Maddie. Okay, that's how we're going to play this. For your week in review, I'm Kate. And I'm Maddie. And we'll talk to you again soon. 